I want you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16. I believe it's going to be a very simple message this morning. That's the one that the Lord has for us. John chapter 16. This is not too long before the Lord goes to the cross. And He's speaking to His disciples at the end of this chapter. We're going to read the last two verses of John 16. In verse 32, the Lord says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, and ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We all know this passage. It's what the Lord has for it this, this, this morning. No, He has it for me. I pray that He minister to your life as well. You know, the Lord Jesus knew what He was about to do. He's about to go to the cross and He says, you're all going to be scattered. That was temporary, but they were. They were going to be scattered. Uh, they were going to be afraid. And when they saw Jesus arrested and taken and beat, and Peter's going to deny the Lord three times, and they all scattered. And then they, they sort of came back together. The Lord gathered them together and, and uh, ministered to them and then baptized them all in the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And they went on and served the Lord other than Judas. But He says, you're all going to be scattered and leave me alone, but I'm not alone because the Father's with me. It's something that Jesus always realized. He never forgot that. Is that even though He was in a cruel, cold world, so to speak, and stepped out of glory and took on this weak frailty of human flesh and was spat upon and different things, He never forgot uh, who He was. He never forgot that the Father was with Him. And in light of that, that is to bring us great hope and encouragement. For it is written, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. The, Bible, the Word of God says. And so here he goes. The, the Scripture that we're really going to focus on is these things I've spoken unto you that in me, and it's important that he says that, it's significant that he says that, in me you might have peace in the world. And that's the two things that are contrasted. There's in me and there's in the world. Okay? In me you're going to have peace. And there's a period right there. Because he made his statement. In the world you shall have tribulation. He didn't say you might, or you might run across some tribulation, or you might run across some difficulties in this world. In me you shall have peace, period. In the world you shall have tribulation. But, then he encourages believers that know Christ, those that know Him and profess Him, and He's in their hearts. Be of good cheer. Well, He just told us we're going to have tribulations. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The victory is the Lord's. He has won it. He didn't need our help in winning it. Is a victory over sin, Satan, darkness, all the schemes and plans of the of Satan over hell, over the consequences of sin. It's a victory for all time. He won. We haven't totally seen it manifest yet, like when the Lord comes back to set up His kingdom and so forth, and reigns a thousand years on this earth, and then into the eternity of eternities with a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. We haven't seen all that yet because it's still future. But the victory that He won on the cross was complete. He didn't need our help in doing it. His own right arm, the Bible says, has gotten Him the victory. He tread the winepress of God alone. And He says here that, uh, that we are to be of good cheer in the midst of a world filled with tribulation. And guess what? We're in the world. We're just not of the world. We have a different origin. We're born again. Origin's very important. Are you of God or are you of the world? 
It's not enough to go around saying, I'm a Christian like we talked about in Sunday school. Everybody says that they're a Christian practically. Are you born again? Are you born of the Spirit of God? Because if you're not, Jesus said you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. You won't go there, Nicodemus, nor will any man be unless we're born again. Are you of God? Are you of the world? Well, we're of the, the Lord because we've, born of His, we've been born of His Spirit, washed in His blood, and he, he is, our body is His temple now. We're His children. We have a new birth. A new birthday. The day you got saved was your new birthday. And that's the most important one. Whereas we're born again. But then we're still in the world. Physically. Right? We're here. This world's in our country and we see the way things are going. And, and uh, it can be discouraging. It can be hard. It can be harsh. This world doesn't love you. This world doesn't love our Lord. That's why it doesn't love you. Doesn't love His Word. Jesus said, I've given you my Word and the world has hated you. Hated you. It hates us specifically for Jesus' sake. But, and, and we just have to understand that. We know that. But He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Be of good cheer. In Me, you're going to have peace. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. Our peace will come only... Now, I'm speaking of believers, okay? Our peace will come only as we are in Christ. Abiding in Christ, okay? We will know and experience the true peace of God only as we are abiding in Jesus. Because we can venture out. We're going to look at this. We can, as a Christian, I don't lose my salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about straying away and getting out on my own and I lose that peace that God has for me. Because He says, in me, you shall have peace. I've overcome the world. Now this is a truth This about having peace as we abide in Christ for any man. Nobody's going to have peace outside of Christ. Certainly a lost man has no peace at all. They have no peace in their life. He's outside of the Prince of Peace, that lost man is. And he's, he's outside of Jesus. He's out, and in his conscience and in his sin, he knows he's guilty, even though he tries to suppress it and cover it up with other things. He's guilty, and it prevents him from any true peace in his life. A lost man, no matter how happy they may seem to be, they don't have any real peace because that peace comes only from God. It's only from the Lord. A lost man doesn't know the Lord and at that point in his life has rejected Christ. That means he can't be saved. It just means at that point in his life he's outside of the Prince of Peace. And he's still in the guilt and, and the, the consequences of his sin. His only hope is repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God, that is a hope. Amen? It's a real hope. It's, it's a sufficient hope and what the Lord can do in his life. He can be saved by placing his faith in Jesus Christ, his trust in Jesus Christ being washed in his blood and placed into the body of Christ. But outside of that, there is no true peace that he's ever going to have. Might have wealth, might have comfort, might have a lot of friends that love him and family that loves him and try to comfort him and soothe him, but he still is, has a heart and he has a conscience that God made him and created him. And until he gives his life to Jesus, that he won't experience any peace. I think about that man, when G, uh, that demoniac, you know, in the uh, Gadarenes, when Jesus went there and there met this man coming out of the tombs when he got to the coast. And this man was demon possessed, had a legion of demons in his life. And would you think it'd be scary? Yes, it would be scary. People caught him. And they would, they would bind him with chains just to try to tame this man and keep him under control. And he would break the chains. 
Okay, so there was this supernatural power. He wasn't just strong. It was, a, it was a power of Satan. It was a demonic power. And he lived and he made his home among death in the tombs and the graves. That's where he lived, on the outside of town. And he would cut himself with stones and he was bleeding. Do you think he was happy? Think being demon-possessed is a happy state to be in? He was in torment. He was in torment. And he saw Jesus come and he ran up to him. And he says, what do, we have to, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, the Son of, of God, Jesus of Nazareth? Anyway, the Lord cast the legion of demons out. You know the story. And then what do we see? Instantly, the Bible says he's clothed because he was naked before, living like an animal. Now he's clothed and in his right mind. For the first time ever, you can take a deep breath, for the first time ever, or as long as we know, he had peace in his heart and his mind. He's clothed and in his right mind. Now, isn't that a beautiful picture? Now, I know that every, every lost person is not in that state, demon-possessed. I understand that. But still, it's a wonderful picture. It's really when you get saved for the first time ever, you can experience the peace of God. You don't... Everything that used to just trouble you and eat at you inwardly, He is forgiven and you know that you're safe in Jesus. And you still have a lot, have a lot of problems in life and just in, in the natural world that we live in. But that peace is very real. This is not a figment of someone's imagination. It's not a denial that there's no troubles, no troubles. I'll just say it enough time and there's no troubles. It's not a denial. It's an actual... Uh, Peace that God gives. And He says, in me, you're going to have this peace. Peace is not, y'all, the absence of turmoil. Peace is not the absence of conflict. You know, you see the little bumper stickers, you know, pray for world peace, or no justice, no peace, and all that kind of stuff. That's a a man-made thought. It's a man-made solution. That if somehow men can bring justice, then everybody will be at peace with one another. And if... It's not. The, the peace that we're talking about here is not the absence of conflict. If, if we all threw down our weapons, so to speak, all right, right now with the whole planet, it's still not going to be peace. There's hatred in people's hearts one toward another. And more importantly, people aren't in a right standing with God. There's a peace of God, and there's, there's a peace with God, and there's a peace for God. I mean, of God. Peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with our Lord, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That He has made peace through the blood of His cross. He can take any man, any religion, any no religion, any age, man, woman, or child, this whole planet, in any area, era, and they repent, they give their lives to Jesus and believe this gospel and believe the one who came and died for their sins and rose again and place their lives into His hands and instantly they'll have peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He does that. He provides. So there's the peace with God. And, and then there's the peace of God that we can experience day to day that He actually gives to the believer. Now I'm right with God. I'm in right standing with God before I was an enemy of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. We were enemies of God. And now we're part of the beloved of, of Christ. We're accepted in the beloved. We're part of His family and we're not as strange, and we're not strangers anymore, uh, but we're part of His family. So now we have peace with God. But then there's also the peace of God that we experience to whatever degree, day by day as we live through this life. 
And He wants us to experience it. And He tells us how to experience it. It's going to come through knowing Jesus. The wicked, the way of peace, it says they have not known. Speaking of the wicked man. There is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. I mean, that's a definitive Scripture. So I don't care. You've got a lost man and he's continuing on in his wickedness and his rejection of Christ. He has no peace. There is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. He doesn't experience it in the way of peace has he not known. But we as believers were saved. We're in Christ. We're new creatures in the Lord. We must abide in Christ. Isn't that what the Word of God teaches us? Isn't that what John 15 is all about? About abiding in Him and His words abiding in us. As a practice. As a pattern. Okay? It's, this is not having to do with going from lost to saved. He's speaking to believers. Alright? And as a believer, I need to abide in Jesus Christ. That has to be my home. That has to be my dwelling place. It can't be just when I go to church or when I get in a bind and need something or the family devotional time, but other points and times during my day, my week, my month, my year, I'm kind of checked out and I'm doing my own thing, which is very similar to the way the world lives. I'm not committing all those gross sins, but still, my dwelling place is to be Jesus Christ as a pattern. I can't do that for you. And you can't do that for me. Every individual has to abide in Christ. A husband can't do it for their wife, and a wife can't do it for their husband. Parents can't do it for their children. Everybody's got to make their dwelling place with the Lord as a practice. Our peace will be to the measure. And we're talking about the peace of God now. My peace I give to thee, right? In me, you're going to have peace. Our peace that we experience will be to the measure that we dwell in Christ. Conscious dwelling in my Lord and Savior. Again, I'm not talking about, oh, I walked away and I lost my salvation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about believers dwelling as a practice in the Lord. At, at any moment, uh, when I'm not experiencing peace, because maybe I've watched the news, I got really troubled about something I saw. And then I dwelt on it. And then through the day, it just ate at me and ate at me and ate at me and the next, into the next day. The Jesus is no less the Prince of Peace at that moment. It's just I'm not dwelling in Him. Maybe my thoughts aren't brought captive to the obedience of Christ. Maybe my heart's strayed after something else. You know, I'm lusting after something else or covetous or something like this. And it's gone and it's strayed. He's no less the Prince of Peace, but to me, in my own experience, I'm not experiencing Him in that peace that God has for me. Where I would dwell in Him. It comes down to our daily walk with the Lord. To what degree do, we, do I trust Him at every given moment? Uh, Almighty God, do I trust in Him? Do I trust in His provisions? Do I trust in His protection? when the world is in the state that it's in, or any any era. I want to read uh, a couple of Scriptures. I have them written down. I'll give you the Scriptures, but I'm going to read them kind of quickly. Psalm 17, 7-9, Psalm 17, 15, and Psalm 61, 3 and 4. I'll just read these. Show Thy marvelous loving kindness, O Thou that savest by Thy right hand them which put their trust in Thee. From the... For, Thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. 
from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. So he, he's talking about uh, the psalmist, hide me under the shadow of your wings. He's talking about an abiding place, safe with the Lord. Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In me you're going to have this peace. And so the safety comes as we're near the Lord, as we draw near to God, as we stay near to God. Again, we're not talking about salvation right here. We're speaking of believers. But even as believers, how do I press in? How do I stay by the Lord? As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Who has? You have. You've been a tower, uh, a fortress and a strong tower from my enemy. You have been that to me. Not Christianity. Not my church building. Not my Christian friends, although I thank God for all of those things. But you have been my strong tower. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. And covert means a covering or a hiding place. A secret place of protection. That's what the definition definition is. I'm going to hide in the covert of your wings. It's a conscious choice that the man made. And even as Christians and believers, we're hearing this sermon preached, and God wants us to make the choice more frequently and more frequently and more frequently to abide in Him. And that's where we're going to experience this peace. This peace is from God. It's in His Son. And it comes to the child of God in reality. Okay, not just a Sunday school lesson or a sermon. It comes to the child of God in reality as he or she abides in Christ. Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Because isn't that how we live our lives? Have you ever thought about it? You don't live your life a year at a time. You don't live, you know, you might have plans for this upcoming year or for the next five years or even for this week. You have plans, but you don't live your life a week at a time. You live it moment by moment. Right now we're living in this moment. We might be raptured before church is over. Hallelujah. But we live it moment by moment. That's how we need to abide in Christ. Not moment by moment. Not in my mind and say, okay, I'm committed to Christ. I'm just abiding with Him forever and ever. We can say those statements, but to live it actually is a moment by moment thing where we're walking closely to the Lord with the Lord. Where I'm thinking about God and there's no point where I check out, so to speak, and I just kind of drift back out into the world. It's a constant pull from the world. And it's a constant uh, walking and abiding in the Holy Ghost and in Christ and keeping our minds in the Lord. Because this peace is going to be experienced only to the extent that we abide in Christ. It's, it's it. I can be a believer and at some particular moment, an hour, a day, a week, a month, not be abiding in Christ. And I will not be experiencing that peace that God has for me. It says in Galatians 5.25, uh, we know the Scripture, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. It's two different things. I believe as a believer, we live in the Spirit. We have a spirit man. Our body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. We've been born of the Spirit of God. We're spiritual. Okay? But if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit to me is different. Walking in the Spirit has to do with our behavior. Walking has to do with our practice. Walking has to do with our conduct and practice from day to day. If you ever been a Christian, any point in your Christian life, you were a Christian and you didn't live like a Christian? Absolutely. If you haven't, I want to meet you and talk to you. Where you've been born again and that at some particular moment you didn't live like a Christian. 
The words that came out of your mouth, your attitude, your actions, what you set before your eyes, uh, whatever. Jokes you laughed at that you shouldn't have laughed at, whatever. Have we all done it before in our lives? Yes. At that moment, we're still living in the Spirit. We're not walking in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. The walk has to do with our pattern and our behavior. And, and we're going to know that peace of God only as we stay in Christ as our habitation. If we stray or venture away from, even for little moments of time, take these little side trips from, our, from Christ. These little, not that we're going to hell, we take a little side trip. We get off into the, to the world for a little bit. And we, He's not my habitation at that moment. Uh, the only other place left is going to be the flesh and the world. That's it. There's not a bunch of other places. And so I'm straight. I'm a believer and I'm straying from the Lord. And all of a sudden I began to uh, look around at the world instead of looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Maybe I get troubled by it. Maybe I get afraid and worried. Or maybe I get enticed by it. And I want it. Or those old friends, I want them back. You know, they quit hanging with me when I became a Christian and I miss them and I want them back. Something we start longing for in the world. At that moment, y'all, it's not that we're not a believer any longer, but we've left that place of Him being our habitation in our minds, in our hearts, in our thoughts. And we begin to uh, look at ourselves. You know what happens when we get like that? A lot of times we start looking inwardly. And the world would say, the, the, the new world would say, you know, trust your own heart and, you know, follow your heart and things like this. You know what? Don't follow your heart. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, deceitful above all things who can know it. Don't follow your own heart. Follow Jesus. Amen? And so, but we start looking, we stray from the Lord. We're not looking at Christ as the author and the finisher. At every waking moment, we start getting enticed with something or we start getting. Uh, afraid or troubled by something we see around us and we look to ourselves, we start communing with our own hearts and our, our thinking becomes carnal. Still a believer, right? Not going to hell. But at that moment, I'm sure not experiencing the peace of God. We're going to be troubled when we start doing that. You know what I'm talking about? Because you've experienced that. You're going to be troubled. We're going to be troubled in our hearts and minds. And can I tell you, He... He never intended for us to be troubled. So we're going to talk about this just for, a, for just a moment. God never intended for His people to live in fear and to be troubled. And to be anxious. Because that what's going to be replaced with the peace of God is going to be replaced with anxiety and anxiousness and fear. It's going to be, it's going to be one, something's going to fill our hearts, okay? And it's going to be replaced with that. And the Lord never intended for us to live there. What does He say? We're, if you're still in John, you can turn back uh, to 14. We hear this passage all the time. Uh, it's in a very encouraging passage at the beginning of chapter 14 where Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. He's saying, don't let it be. We've heard of this passage at funerals and things like this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he talks about his Father's house or many mansions. I'm preparing a place for you and I'm going to receive you again to myself one day. And where I go, you know, in verse 4, and the way you know. And then skip down to the same chapter, verse 27. 
He just promised the Holy, the Comforter, the, the day of Pentecost, on, on in verse twenty-six, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He spoke of him. Then verse twenty-seven: Peace I leave with you; my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. So he says it again. Neither let it be afraid. The Lord has no glory in you and I being fearful. A good, healthy fear of God. Amen. We're supposed to have that. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Walk with the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. We have that all through the Scriptures. But any other kind of fear, fear over circumstances, fear over the future, fear over enemies, fear because of, of whatever, the, the devil. He does not want us to live in that type of fear at all. Let not your heart be troubled. And, the, and that's, that's what's going to come. Troubling heart is going to come to us when we, when we kind of stray from the Lord. Get back into the world a little bit or, or something like that. Now we know the passage uh, where Jesus said, uh, where Jesus was on the, uh, I'll just read this, but uh, John 16, but now I go my way to him that sent me and none of you asketh me where, where the goest thou? But because I said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your hearts. Ye have heard how I say unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. So Jesus tells His disciples, I'm going away. And instantly, what's the first thing that happens? They get trouble fills their hearts. It's the first thing. I'm going away. Trouble fills their hearts. But He doesn't want them to be troubled. And He knows if He's going away, they're going to be troubled. So He promises the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. He's with you. He shall be in you. He's going to be, I send you another Comforter. With a capital C, the Holy Ghost. And He's going to teach you all things. And He's going to bring to remembrance all things that I've spoken to you. And He won't speak of Himself. He'll glorify Me. The Comforter is not some second-rate Comforter. The Comforter is the third person of the Trinity. As Christ died and rose again and ascended to the Father, He sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and in His fullness. And that is where the, the comfort comes. That's what chases the trouble away, is the presence of God. Christ wasn't physically going to be walking with the disciples anymore, and He's not physically walking with us in the sense that He did with them. But the Holy Ghost is with us. Lo, I'm with you always. It's the Lord with us. That's where the comfort comes from. You know the story, I think it's in all four Gospels, where, where Jesus and His disciples, after a long day of ministry, they're on the boat, and He's sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and they're crossing the sea. And these experienced fishermen, at least four of them, right? Or experienced fishermen, they knew what it was like to be on the water, to be at night, to be in the storm at night, and all that. They, and yet, this must have been some kind of storm they kicked up, and Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And they're afraid. They're scared. And they say, Lord, don't you care we're, that we're going to perish? They're saying a lot in that one little statement. First, they doesn't care. Second of all, we're going to die. You know, don't you care that we're, we're going to perish out here? And Jesus stands up and He says in all three um, Gospels, it's at least in three of them, He stands up and He rebukes the wind. I'll just read this. I have it written down. And He said unto them, Where is your faith? And they being afraid, see there's faith, and then there, if not, there's fear. He said, Where is your faith? 
And they being afraid, wonder, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Another, another passage on the same account. And he said to them, why are you fearful? O ye of little faith. You're fearful because your faith is little. Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm in Mark 4. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I think the Lord's trying to teach him something. I think he's trying to teach us something. Without the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and abiding in him, the only thing that's going to be replaced with is the fear. And the reason that we do fear is because our faith is little. We're not keeping our eyes on the great God that we have. We say it all the time. We put our eyes on Jesus. And I'm preaching to myself as much as anyone. But if we will keep our eyes on Jesus, those problems seem awfully small in comparison to the eternal God that we serve. Having problems with finances. Having problems with the job situation. Having problems with uh, relationship. We're having a problem in our, in our family or whatever, in our nation, whatever. When you take a, take a big step back look and look at it all and see it, the Lord in comparison to all this, and that He is my great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, those things just shrink down into their proper place, which is under. He's above, and those things are under. And the, the fear came to these disciples, and they knew the Lord, and they walked with the Lord. And they had seen him do miracles and cast out demons and raise the dead and multiply fish and loaves. And, uh, and they had been with him through all these things, and yet they're afraid at that moment. And every time he rebukes them, you know, you can rebuke people that you love. Doesn't mean that has to be an end of the relationship. The Lord rebuked him because he did love them. Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? Oh, you have little faith. Where did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Because he's trying to bring them from a place of here to this place. He's trying to bring them from this amount of faith or unbelief to a greater faith. He's always wanting to do that in our lives. And that won't stop. As long as we're Christians and we're living and breathing on this earth, he's still going to be broken you and prodding you on to deeper things in Christ, to a greater place of abiding in Christ, to a greater trust in him, a greater faith in him, uh, all of it to be greater. He doesn't ever want to just plateau off. Okay, you're done. We'll leave you, you know, sitting where you are for the next 25 years. You just beam to stay on a level plane. Never. He doesn't. Not for, uh, my Father worketh hitherto and I work, Jesus said. God's working in us to do will and do of His good pleasure. He's working in us. He never takes a day off. And we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. But uh, we're talking about our, our practice of abiding because the Lord desires for us to trust Him. He wants us to trust Him more completely. And He wants to tr- us to trust Him more frequently, I guess you would say, or more often about the things that we... Maybe you've trust, you can trust God for this, this, and this, but this is too big and I can't trust God for this. He wants us to trust Him for everything. Circumstances we went through a little over a year ago, I'd never been through anything like that. That was a new thing for me. I had to trust God for something I had never trusted God with before. I've never been put in that position of having to trust the Lord on that church situation. You understand what I'm saying? But it was a new thing. But I trust God helped me to trust Him and Dee and our family and y'all. 
and to trust the Lord. And guess what he brought us through? There'll be new things like that. Pray it's not like that. But there'll be other things in our life where God has to um, bring us to something, to a new place of trusting him for everything and a place, like I said, of trusting more frequently. We're not in and out. You know, we believe, then we doubt. We believe, then we doubt. That's common to Christianity. I do it. Believe, then I doubt. I believe, then I doubt. But guess what? He wants me to bring more and more to a place where I'm believing. And less and less of that doubting time. It's an ongoing thing. It's not just zapped and one time it's all over with. He has to keep bringing us along, but He can do it. It's real. You ought to be trusting God more than you did a year ago. And so should I. You understand what I'm saying? In a year from now, we ought to be further along in Jesus and in our faith in Him than we are now. I'll turn to uh, Philippians real quick. Chapter 4. We all know this passage. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. Be careful means anxious. We, we all know this passage. But in, instead of that... In, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God. See, it's not peace with God. It's the peace of God, which passes all, all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And he tells us all these wonderful things to think on. It's almost it's a commandment. Think on what's good. Well, no, I don't want to. I want to think on that. I want to worry for a little while. Don't we do that? I'm going to worry. I'll be troubled over our country and the way it's heading these upcoming elections. I want to be troubled. Uh, he says, whatever is honest, just, pure, and so forth, good report, think on these things. If there be any praise and virtue. In the last verse, 9, that I want to read, these things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Paul saying, look at me as an example. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now these were saved people. He's not saying you must be born again. They were saved. He's the one that led them to the Lord. Okay? But he's telling them now, don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Pray about everything. Set your mind on the things of God. Let me ask you this. It's a no-brainer. But do you only have to do that one time in your life? We have to do it constantly, don't we? I've met with people and counseled with people before and they're struggling with addiction and pornography. Or they're struggling with worry. And they're, they, and I'll, I'll meet with them and pray with them, and that mind has to be renewed. Amen. It's not a one-time thing. Salvation is a one-time moment. They're saved as they'll ever be, but now they're struggling with the sin in their life, and it's not glorifying to God. And they're miserable. And God wants to bring them out of it. And he's going. I always tell people He's going to bring you out. There's no sin you have that the blood of Jesus is not sufficient for, or that Jesus Christ is not strong enough to pull you out of and help you. So get that straight before we go any further with counseling. Now, you're going to have to bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And I start worrying. You know, I pray and then five minutes later I start worrying again. I do too. I have to. And But what happens is, I say you might have to do it, bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and set your mind on things above your heart on things above. You might have to do that a thousand times in a day. But maybe in a week from now, you'll have to do it 900 times in a day. You understand what I'm saying? In a year from now, maybe you have to do it 10 times in a day. And there come a point where it's, it just goes from the worry and the fear 
and somehow or another the Lord can swing it around. He does it. It's all glory to God. But it's not just a one-time thing. You cast it upon the Lord. Well, People say, well, I did that. You know, I cast it upon the Lord. Well, you might have to cast it upon Him again in 30 seconds. But you do it. And you do it by faith and you give it to Him and you ask Him to strengthen you to do it and don't quit doing it. He's going to help you. He's teaching you something. It's the school of Christ. It's the school of hard knocks. He's bringing you through. He's growing you up. He's making you what He wants you to be. This is how He's chosen to do it. Surrender to Him. Yield to Him. There's not another way. Keep on this way. I don't have a... Oh, well, i got a secret solution you never read about and one little secret passage you've never heard of. No, it's going to be Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He is enough for you. He's going to bring you through. So if I, we say, well, I did that. Well, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep praying about it. Keep bringing it before the Lord. Keep setting your mind. And guess what's going to happen? That will become your new pattern. I'm not talking about it's just all work. I am saying that there's some work involved. And that's going to become my new pattern. My mind's going to be stayed on God where it used to be stayed on what I worried about all the time. There will be a victory. There is a victory coming in that. I promise you. It's not some new way. It's not some new thing to hit Christianity or some new age thing that's coming to the church world. It's Jesus Christ and His peace that He gives. Amen? And so, uh, we're going to be bringing this to a close. But with our unbelief, and we saw it with the disciples on the boat with Jesus, with the unbelief and our lack of trusting in the Word of God and the promises of God, um, comes the fear. That's what comes with it. It's, it's, It's either or. The fear comes, the anxiousness, the agitation to our hearts and to our lives. And isn't it interesting in Revelation 21, one of the last chapters of the whole Bible, where the Lord is is the, the people that are not coming to the new Jerusalem. They were never saved. And they're eternally condemned at the great white throne judgment. And He gives a, just a little quick list of them. We know it's everybody outside of Christ. But He says the first two they are mentioned, the fearful and the unbelieving. And that's always struck me because I would think the first ones that would be listed would be the idolaters and the murderers and the rapists and the, and the, you know, the serial killers and the, and the terrorists. They should be first. But no, He lists the fearful and the unbelieving. Those two things go together. I know that's speaking about lost people, but still, that fear and the unbelief, they go together. And uh, God never wants us to, His people, to live that way. It's going to come into our lives, the fear and the agitation, the aggravation and the anxiousness as we get our minds off the Lord. Maybe you haven't had time to pray like you normally do. I've noticed it in my own house, not recently, but in years past, I've noticed my family, the four of us, arguing and getting, being short with each other and being unchristlike and unkind. And maybe Dee will notice it. Maybe I'll notice it. Maybe Peter or William will notice it. And I'll stop and think, you know what? What's the deal? Just left church five minutes ago. You know? What, what are we doing? And I'll, sometimes, sometimes it'll hit me and I'll realize, you know, we haven't been praying together as a family. They're not isolated. They have, to, they have a lot to do with each other. We haven't been praying together as a family like we should. We've been too busy. Not busy in sinful things, just busy. And we have not prayed together. Yeah, I'm still saying my prayers. Peter and William still saying their prayers. But the four of us haven't come together to pray. And so, 
it makes a difference. And I'll notice we're short with each other and acting very unchristlike. We need to get together and pray. We need to do it as a pattern, as a habit. We, got, we were in it. We got out of it. We need to get back to it. And it makes a difference. No point that we stop being Christians and no point did Jesus stop loving us or stop being the Prince of Peace. But we didn't have peace in our homes, in our family, because we weren't practicing that together. Or we're not spending time in the Word individually or as a family. You think you can do that and it won't affect your life? It's going to affect your life. It's our food. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, I'm going to be skipping my meals for the next three, three weeks. You think it's not going to affect you? It's going to affect your life. And uh, Anyway, I want to read this quote from F.B. Meyer. I thought it was really good. We're about to close. He's, he's speaking about trusting in God and staying in His hands. He says, safe and strong, tender and true are the hands of our Father. Drop down into them. They will catch you and sustain your burdens and yourselves. They can hold the oceans in their hollow though they are scarred with Calvary's nails. Weary, tired, suffering ones, lie still. None shall pluck you out of the Father's hands. Without anxiety or alarm, you may look out from them on the wreck of matter and the crash of the world. Those hands shall ultimately bear you as they did our Lord through all the heavens and set you down at His own right hand in glory. So we can sink down to the hands of God, so to speak, safety and we can maybe be looking out through his hands and seeing all the trouble around us and yet we're safe from it because we're in God's hands and I know this is such a simple message but he's going to bring us all the way all the way through this life every day of it every minute of it every second of it every heartbeat of it till we breathe our last or he raptures us and he'll bring us on and and present us faultless before the throne of his father in glory in Christ And so the peace we have is going to be only to the extent that we're trusting in Jesus. Amen? And and that will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee because He trusteth in Thee. That's what the Word of God says. Trust ye in the Lord forever from the Lord Jehovah's everlasting strength. They're related. There's a link between our faith and our peace and our unbelief and our fear. They're linked. And I want to read uh, one more, one more scripture that we read together. If you'll turn in First Samuel, chapter twenty-two. This is an interesting story, kind of a, I guess you say a little bit of a scary story. When David was running from Saul, Saul wanted to kill him, and so David's running from him, and at one point he runs. First Samuel twenty-two. We're going to read the end of the chapter in just a minute. At one point, he's running and he's, he comes to the city of Nob. And there's a priest there named uh, Abimelech, the priest. And David goes in to the, to, the, to the place where the priest is. And he says, you have any food here? And he feeds him the showbread. And do you have any weapons here? Well, we just have the sword of Goliath that you killed. There's none like it. Take it. He takes that. And at the same time, uh, one of Saul's loyalists, Doeg, came in and saw David there. And they kind of went their separate ways. David got his food and got the sword and got out of there. Remember, he's running from Saul. And he's got a few of his guys with him. Well, Doeg goes and 
he tells Saul that Abimelech the priest, he's, he's on David's side. He's helping him out. Which wasn't true. Abimelech had no clue that David was even running. He just thought, this is David, Saul's servant. He needs some help. I'm helping him. Abimelech was innocent in the sense of not betraying the king, King Saul. And so Doeg tells Saul all about David and about Abimelech. Saul, he's this wicked state that he's in, he calls Abimelech and his family, and they get 85 of the priests from Nob. They were all of this tribe of Levi, and he murdered them all. He killed them all. I mean, it's a horrible thing. And one escapes. You notice the Bible is always like one that escapes. And uh, Abiathar, Abimelech's son, escapes to David and says, let me tell you what, what Saul just did to my dad and all the priests. It was horrible. I escaped, and he ran to David. And then look at verse 23. David says, Abide thou with me. Fear not. We're talking about abiding in Christ and not being afraid. Abide thou with me. Fear not. For he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life. But with me thou shalt be in safeguard. And I thought, what a wonderful Scripture. David saying, the same one that wants to kill you wants to kill me too. You're going to be safe with me. And I don't think he was boasting saying, I'm such a great warrior. He knew the battle belonged to the Lord. He knew that God had already called him to be the king. And he wasn't king yet, so they couldn't be killed yet. he got to become king, right? And think about that though. You, he's trying to kill you. He's also trying to kill me. But with me, you're going to be safe. Don't be afraid. And I think that's what the Lord is telling us through His Word. That safeguard means a watch, safety, or sentry. And that link between the two. Think about it. Daniel slept in a lion's den. He slept in a lion's den. You know what I'm saying? Because he was in God's hands. Paul, and, Paul uh, had peace in the midst of this boat where the storm was kicking up. He says, the angel of the Lord stood by me this night. We're all going to be okay. He's in the same boat. Jesus was in the same boat as His disciples. But He wasn't afraid. Daniel was in a lion's den. Paul was on a boat. Paul and Silas are praising God and had peace in a prison. We see it over and over. Jesus slept in the bottom of the boat. We see it because the Lord is with us. The, the peace doesn't come from the absence of the conflict. The peace comes from the presence of God. Amen. And to the extent that we abide in Christ. I want you all to stand with me. And we're going to close with this. I actually want to close with a psalm. While you're standing, this would lead us into our altar time. God wants us. He has no joy, as I said, or pleasure in me being afraid. It doesn't bring Him happiness. And say, so, well, look, they're worried. You know what I'm saying? He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to trust Him. And there's going to be peace from God. The peace of God that He gives us. So our altars are open just to seek the Lord. If you have strayed, you know, we're talking about abiding in Christ, and you find yourself maybe more often than not, or maybe more often than you used to, straying from the Lord. I find myself troubled by what I see on the news. I find myself troubled by, and you fill in the blank. I find myself more enticed by the world. Whatever it may be that's getting your thoughts off of the Lord, it's also going to bring anxiousness and fear to your life. That it will not bring the peace of God. It cannot bring the peace of God. 
All there is has to be is a turning and just come back. Lord, it's been a long time. I'm setting my heart and mind upon You. I'm reinstating our family altar time because we've been arguing a lot in our family and home. We're making You the center of everything again. Not every now and then. Not as this one big bold profession, but day by day, moment by moment, I want to keep my mind on Jesus Christ. I want to dwell in the shadow of Your wings, in Your covert. And I want to read this, and our altars are open. We know the passage. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. One more verse. I'll skip down. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. This is why these things are happening. These good things are happening. Why? Because you've made the Lord, my God, David says, even the Lord your habitation, your dwelling place. Not only making Him your Savior, but making Him your dwelling place. Moment by moment, there's such a wonderful peace that He gives. It passes the world's understanding. And Father, we thank You that You are the Prince of Peace. This isn't a fairy tale. God, David uh, trusted You. said, You're going to be safe with me. Paul was safe and had peace on the ship that was in the storm. Jesus slept on the bottom of the boat. Daniel slept in the bottom of a lion's den. How? Not that they didn't have trouble, but that they had the presence of God. They trusted You and they kept their thoughts upon You. And they, you made, they made the God their strong habitation. And Father, we do that this morning. We want to ask that You would help us to do that. We don't just pretend that we have it all perfectly done. We're asking. That's what this altar is for. That's what this prayer time is for. So I encourage you, even in our crowded little living room, if you would find a place to meet with God for a few minutes, just you and the Lord, just get with the Lord and say, God, forgive me. I've, I've strayed. I've taken little detours away from my Good Shepherd and I want to come back to the... Maybe in my mind I've strayed. Maybe I've gotten spiritually lax or lazy. Maybe I'm not pressing into my prayer time the way I used to. Maybe we're not uh, studying the Word the way we used to or I used to. And I've got good excuses for it. God, I cast all those excuses down. I pray that You'd forgive me. And I pray that You would be my peace, God. And my covert. And my strong habitation. We love You and thank You that you're, with You there's forgiveness, God. With You there's strength and hope and peace, God. I pray Your blessings upon these people here this morning in a mighty way. This would be a real and a lasting work that's done today. And we'll leave here having taken a big growth step in our Christianity, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank You, Lord. You take Your time with the Lord this morning.